Bye. Go home. No one loves you. This is Lena, not Mrs. Doubtfire. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was from. Yeah. Um, and I'm Mark, not Elmo. Yeah. Um, this is our podcast. Bye. Go home. No one loves you. And this is where we talk about strange goings on in the Rust Belt. Uh, stuff like ghosts, UFOs, crime, uh, uh, diseases, cryptids, boogeyman, Erie County Fair. <laughs> We should do an episode on the Erie County Fair. Listen, if we did There's got to be something we can talk about from that. There's got to be some if type of crime If we did an episode on the Erie County Fair and it we just kept with our general theme of weirdness, we could do like a like a whole other podcast. I have a brilliant Erie County Fair story. Um, so you know how I used to go to Catholic school through like fourth grade? Yes. Well, I was a cheerleader then, and we used to perform our cheers at the Erie County Fair. That is adorable, but really a weird juxtaposition now that I think about it. Because we're talking about the Erie County Fair? Well, no, Catholic school cheerleader performing at the Erie County Fair in grade school. Yeah, so I think I was in like first or second grade the one year, and everyone was talking about shaving their legs, and I had never shaved mine. So being the. And now you got to do it three times a day. (laughs) For real? I haven't been. So being the dumb kid I was, instead of asking my mother, I just shaved my legs in the bathtub that day and only shaved the front of them up to my knee. Like, just my shins, basically. <gasps> and my mom was like, if you shave, you have to shave all the way up. You can't just shave up to your knee. And she really embarrassed me because I was so stupid looking. And I am so glad that you said that because my my first shaving story, nobody <laughs> showed me how to do it or anything. Uh-huh. And I can't eat. First of all, shaving your face, it must be scary. So I'm, I'm very... Well, I, I have a right beard now. all the time. Right. But then, like, nobody was showing me, and my stepdad's a horrible, horrible, vile human being, so mm-hmm. he probably would have just showed me how to cut myself. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And there wasn't YouTube or anything. Right. So I just gasped. Mm-hmm. So I pick up a razor, and I look in the mirror, and I just start dragging it mm-hmm. down my face. And I looked like... Homer J. fucking Simpson for like a week and everybody's asking me what's wrong with my face what's wrong with my face and I'm like nothing and somebody goes were you dry shaving and I was like no I just ate something weird that's an allergic reaction (laughs) because I I was it was just too humiliating to even admit that like I taught myself I feel like kids now it seems like they have such better like communication skills with their parents because i feel like when i was a child i was afraid to say anything to my parents like i was afraid to even say when i first got my period yeah am i wrong to think that no you're absolutely right and it's it's just because like parenting and communication styles and societal norms have totally changed yeah if you talk about sex openly with your kids when they're little kids. No one it's cares. not like a weird, gross, right. dirty thing when they grow up. I think up. it's smart. I think it's really Because smart. I grew up not talking. Like, I don't think I ever had a birds, birds and the Beast talk, like, ever. And I think that's why I'm such a hoe. I got Like, I was seriously oh ashamed. God. Like, they, they made me think that if I ever even touched a dick, I was going to get pregnant. Do you know what my Birds and Beast talk was? Oh, my God. Tell me. It was my mom enrolling me. 
in a class at the Unitarian Universalist Church held in some lady's house with oh. a bunch of teenagers where we read a book called Our Bodies Ourselves and talked about things like masturbation, anal sex, mm. oral sex, like everything. But you know what? At least you talked about anal sex. You know what I mean? Like the only sex education I got in high school was just like straight people sex, heterosexual sex, penis Well, and this vagina. was in like fifth grade and like this was – it was kids my age, but the content of this class was mm-hmm. so in-depth that I remember I was fucking around in sixth grade health class once, mm-hmm. and Mr. Cole goes, do you want to teach the class? And I said, sure. And I got up, and I was like, that's the ovary, that's the fallopian tube, that's the labia majora, that's this, 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 this. And I just kept going for like 25 minutes. That's amazing, minutes. though. It enabled me to be a giant cunt. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think you're wrong. I and I think it's a good thing. Be I just, open with your kids. So, like, I graduated high school in 2007, and, like, that just feels like forever ago, and things seem so different than that was only 12 years ago. Well, that is kind of forever ago. That's... The older you get, the faster time goes. Ah, oh, this is so... Anyways, the theme of our show today is explaining technology to your parents, and my mom is stopping by where I'm going to show her for the 14th time how to turn the ringer on her phone. Uh, this is actually a, a show about coping strategies for the child as opposed to teaching technology to the parent. We changed our whole theme of the show. <laughs> Just kidding. You're doing part two from last week. Yeah. Part two because, you know, you hop around the Rust Belt, mm-hmm. and I am generally here, like Buffalo-ish. Um, but Jamestown and Chautauqua County in particular has a large amount of missing women and murdered women. And mm-hmm. I talked about one last week. I'm going to talk about another this week. And there's at least two more. Um, probably two more, because I think I can tie it up and... Throw some alleged theories in there by that. I like this. This is fun. It keeps you hanging. Yeah. And I listen to sort of everything that I put out there because there are, again, Mm -hmm. a lot of strange commonalities aside from the location. Right. So then I feel like it would probably be good to suggest that the listeners, if this is their very first episode they're ever listening to, they probably go back to the Lori C.C. Bova episode and listen to that one first. Well, this is a standalone story, but if you want to... If you want to get an idea of the bigger picture and a little Mm -hmm. more front-loading with all of these missing women and that sort of thing, yeah, listen to that episode. Um, But this is along the same line and you can listen to it standalone okay well that's good then too perfect yeah so um i'm going to talk about a woman named Corey anderson okay uh and it's odd that you're saying that 07 was so long ago uh this happened in 08 and it's <sighs> one of the more recent ones uh the one i talked about last week happened in 97 uh but Corey Anderson is a 36-year-old mom of three, a very responsible woman, takes great care of her kids, has a great relationship with her mom. She's mm-hmm. also really pretty, um, just like 
five nine, super skinny, blonde hair. Just so she's a good person and she's good looking. She's yeah, got it going. She's an attractive right. woman. She's probably living a pretty decent life from what it looks like from the outside. Yeah, and she uh, she worked at this car dealership, mm-hmm. and oh, she boy. would always. She had the shift where she was able to leave work at one so she could pick up her youngest son at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had that all worked out. And on um, in October, she left work at one o'clock. Okay. And that's the last time anybody ever saw her. Did she ever end up picking up her kid? No. <gasps> and that's when they realized that something was wrong. Um her mom, Vicky, mm-hmm. ended up picking up the son, and he never left her care since that day. That's so sad. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Um, oh, my God. Vicky, there's interviews with her all over, uh, and she really does seem like the kindest, most like forgiving, loving person in the whole entire world. Mm-hmm. Like. But I'll get into that. Um, but yeah, she disappeared. One o'clock. Last time anybody ever saw her. It's when she left the car dealership and bus died. A car dealership isn't there anymore. Bus die is just right outside of Jamestown. Mm-hmm. It's one of those little blinking and missing places. That's how you say it? B-U-S-T-I? Bus die? Yeah. I thought it was busty. <sighs> I know. You also thought <laughs> weird.us.com? Was weird.us.com. <laughs> so I believe that. Um, uh, <laughs> so stupid. You're adorable. Oh. Um, but two days later. In October? On October 30th. Mm-hmm. They found Corey's 95 Dodge Caravan in a field. And it was in the. It's It's not. Like a cornfield, it's a huge grass field. Like just like grass that's never been mown, mowed before. No, it was like mowed, and it was found by a hunter, and it was parked right on the wood line, like the line of trees. Okay, and there's pictures on it. It just looks so out of place because you can I see the car chills. tracks from the van getting there, mm-hmm. and that's the only sort of thing you can see even like aside aside from the car that makes it look like anybody's even been there like the grass literally has the van track indentations in it still from two days prior assuming that's when she disappeared right um there was evidence at her home uh that suggested she was able to stop at home before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. But somewhere between 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, uh, after leaving her house, she was gone. So her kid didn't get out of school until 3? I was just guessing. Oh. I I mean, I don't know. What time do kids get out of school? Right. Well, because when you, when you first said that she leaves work at 1 to get her kid from school, her youngest son from school, I was like, okay, well, maybe it's like a daycare situation where he's only there till like, 132 and then she picks him up and then goes picks up the other two kids or something you know like then that way she's home for all the kids but i mean maybe she left and met up with someone there was a very small window of time where she could have disappeared right um but it's heavily suspected that she stopped home 
Mm-hmm. Now, Vicky's got the kid and suspects. Who do we always look to first? Um, anyone like relate? Well, first and foremost, a partner, whoever the partner is, if it's boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, lover, whatever, they always look to see, or like so an ex. Would you say like ex husband Ken Anderson, who she has a 100. restraining order against? Oh, 100%. Hi. Um, the police looked at him too and didn't find any evidence to hold him. Other than the fact that there's a restraining order against him from her. Okay. Which. Sure. He, they got the restraining order in 05. He went back to jail because in 07 he violated it. Against her? Yeah. Is she the only one that had had one against him or did he have others from other women? At that time, all I know about is the Hers. one. Okay. okay. Because, I mean, they were married. And right. her youngest son. He was the dad, but mm-hmm. he wasn't allowed to come within, you know, a certain range of them. Because, uh, yeah. obviously, he isn't a good guy. <laughs> um, but they cleared him because of lack of evidence. Mm-hmm. Because the DNA that was found inside the van, of course his DNA is going to be inside the van. They used to be married. That that was the Chautauqua County ADA and the just sheriff's because they find it doesn't mean they that he just gets to be written off like he still should be. They questioned him and <sighs> they had to clear him. Um, but and this is the really cool part mm-hmm. in 2016, two major major things happen. Oh, okay. One, Ken Anderson is living in Kentucky. And his wife goes missing. <gasps> She's found alive. Uh-huh. But he kidnapped her, held her hostage in a hotel, assaulted her multiple times, raped her, tortured her, and she escaped. What the fucking fuck? Yeah. That's an- his own wife. His own wife. Was she trying to leave him or anything? Um, there's not really a lot of information about that, that? situation aside from the outcome. But I I would assume she it's was probably prob- trying to leave right. if that's Safe what he to was assume doing. That, of course. Um, but he is another guy that was suspected of, you know, this heinous crime in Chautauqua County mm-hmm. involving uh an ex or former or current flame and then moved far away. Uh, oh my god. And it could have easily ended up with that wife disappearing if quote she unquote wouldn't have disappearing. Away. Yeah. She I mean AKA dead. He kidnapped her. Yeah. And nobody knew where she was for days. That's fucking scary. So he goes to jail. But also in 2016, the new assistant district attorney in Chautauqua County uh-huh. gets a random tip uh-huh. to go out to where they found the van the first time. <gasps> I'm so nervous. And they found her shoe and her keys. This is 10 years later. Yeah. And they found nothing the first time out. Did they miss it? Or did, did, did someone put that Right. There? Was someone holding on to it as a trophy and then they put it there? Who knows? Um, they don't think that the tip and Ken Anderson's arrest are necessarily related. Which one happened first? Uh, the tip happened after Ken Anderson was arrested. 
it's bizarre though, right? Yeah, I'm like a trying to think like what by. could have happened. Um, I mean, or like the cor- like is there a correlation between the a, two? I don't know. Only a couple options. There's either shoddy police work they missed it the first time out. Right. Somebody saw it, called it in, and didn't want to leave their name. How close were the shoe and the keys? What do you mean? Like to where? Like to where they looked? Like was it in they like were, where they looked, they or were, was it just outside of? They were in where they should have looked. <sighs> uh, the van, like I said, it was parked right on the tree line of uh-huh. the forest at the back of a very large, just open. Someone planted that shit. I or it could have sat there for ten years, but there's there's a couple options. Okay. For what could have like happened? Sighing. Either somebody saw it and didn't want to leave their name. Right. And was like, uh, go here, do this, you'll find this. Mm-hmm. And they put two and two together. Yeah. Not unlike, not super likely, but possible. It's yeah, um, totally possible. Second option. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Anderson's wife that he kidnapped and assaulted and raped uh, also knew a lot of the secrets. <sighs> and oh. was... Not fearful of him because he went to jail right. for what he did to so her, but she was up. just scared enough to call in that tip mm-hmm. anonymously. Three, somebody put it there recently. But to this day, Corey Anderson never been found, never been seen from, never been heard from. Her mother. She, like I said, she's taking care of her, Corey's youngest kid, mm-hmm. and... What about her other two kids? Uh, they're not Ken's kids, they so have they a didn't different focus father? on okay. them okay. in the story, but I would assume... like that they're she, with, like, their dad or something. Or they're with one of her siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has adult siblings, oh, okay. so... Um, but they focused on mm-hmm. Ken's kid in this one just because he was the major suspect. Right. And... That kid was the one that sort of played an integral part in realizing that she was missing because she didn't pick him up of at course. school. Yes. But um, Vicky, this is sort of what made me fall in love with her, I guess. She's, she's sitting on her porch in this one interview and she just says, you know, I, there's no proof that he did it. But I just know in my heart that he did it. I just feel it. And I ask for forgiveness to jumping to that conclusion. And I always, always, always ask for forgiveness for the way I think about him. And I'm like. Oh, you don't need to ask for forgiveness. What kind of, like, I'm a demon Mm -hmm. compared to this woman. Like, that's. She feels bad for hating him. That's so sad. She shouldn't feel bad. Exactly. And she also says that. You know, she's she's realistic. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. She's perhaps so she knows. Corey's not been. she was thirty-six. Right. She was not some crazy kid that's gonna up and, you know, go to Jamaica and she wasn't a crackhead. Mm-hmm. She she was a good mother. It sounds like it. She she knows and she's known for a long time, she's positive mm-hmm. that Corey's not here, but the one thing that keeps her together is she's, you know, 
her faith and she believes that she's Aww. going to see Corey again. She just hopes she didn't suffer, but she knows she's in a better place. And it's not about justice so much at this point for her as it is just having finality to all of it. So the 2016 tip with the shoe and the keys, uh-huh. it was almost like a bad thing for her. Because she had come to terms with everything at that yeah, point. Yeah, after and like it reopened years, yeah. everything. For her, it's not finding who actually did it or finding her body because she knows that Corey's not here and she thinks Ken did it. But she had come to terms with it and it sort of ripped it all open. Did anything come from them finding that evidence? No. But the the new ADA did assign a couple investigators to the case again. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer a cold case. It's been reopened. And, and it. it's, yeah, it's under investigation right now. But it's, again, one of those weird stories where a lot of the police work was, their choices were strange, to say the least. Um, it sounds like it. Things were missed, and, you know, DNA evidence was just glossed over. They were like... Well, and I just find it very hard to believe that they, were just, that they will just, like, say, well, yeah, her ex-husband's fingerprints are going to be everywhere. Okay, but also she's a restraining order against him, and that's a whole different, and like, level. And he should level. not have been inside that car. Right. He should not have been inside that van since 05. So that was three years later. Right. So even though potentially there could be his fingerprints in the car or whatever, like, they shouldn't be She there. worked at a car dealership, though. Right. They, they did detailing right there. Like, she got a huge discount on it. I was reading it. I'm not saying she got her car detailed. But no, in no. three years, he there shouldn't have been Especially any with kids. Kids put their hands everywhere. Kids put their dirty fucking hands on everything. So that van should have been covered with her three kids' fingerprints. I yeah, I think I think he did it somehow. Well, they cleared him at the beginning, and this is this is the thing I'll leave you with is that the new assistant district attorney contradicts that. Mm-hmm. And says that Kenneth Anderson was always a person of interest. Well, what the fuck? Y'all let him leave the state. So is he still in jail then? Yeah. Wow. That's fucked up. What's it, his his wife that he was with in Tennessee? Kentucky. Kentucky. Same thing. Um, did she have anything to say about his missing ex-wife? They didn't focus on her. And, I mean, she might have. Called in that tip. Who knows? But, I mean, she was the victim of an assault and battery and sexual crimes. And they're not going to publicize her name if they don't want them to. But, I mean, she was held captive in a hotel. That's so fucked up. That is seriously so fucked up. For days. Like, how? Like, what about housekeeping? Like, couldn't people hear? Weren't people like, what the fuck is that guy doing? What about housekeeping? Yeah. Like the housekeeping coming in to clean. Kidding me right like now? housekeeping, wouldn't they try and like come in and clean? You know, you what ever I mean? heard of a do not disturb sign? Yeah, but after tape? like you know, if it's for a few days at least or several days, like Lena, you've never stayed at a gross hotel. I will. Tell I've you, stayed at so many gross hotels. Oh. Well, I mean, when <laughs> so you check many. in, if you're like, listen, we don't need housekeeping mm-hmm. for a week, they won't come. I guess you're right. 
No, I know I'm right. I know. It's just it just seems We stayed strange. at a hotel with a fucking trap door in the ceiling that a killer could drop out of at any point. Oh my god, like that movie and Vacancy? So scary. I never saw it. Oh, it's so scary. But I'm just saying, like, housekeeping's not gonna come in if you tell them don't. At I, a shit yeah, you're right. You're right. That you're you right. Would take I'm just trying to hold happen. other people accountable and to like be more aware and that's not there. Yeah, I don't I don't think you I mean, I think the person that should be held accountable is in jail. Right. And the police. They should have done a better job. There, Yeah. I There was a lot of strange things with the police. The so evidence, what do you think the happened? later clue. Um, I, I don't want to speculate just yet. Okay. But there's a commonality again. Um... And it's sort of, it's a connecting thread that runs between all these stories. Partners. Yeah. And so, well, it's partners, but it's also shoddy police work. Mm. So Mm. I'll touch more on that in the next one because uh, I will be talking about uh, Ms. Yolanda Bendix, (gasps) which is one of the most confusing and convoluted missing persons cases well, murders that ever happened in Chautauqua County. Oh, so. I'm excited. So are we saying bye to the police? Uh, or Ken, or... We'll say bye to Ken? Yeah, let's say Ken. goodbye to Ken. Bye. Ken, fuck off. Bye. I'll send you a fart cake in prison <laughs> in Kentucky with Brianna Valenti. Bye. <laughs> Bing. Um, well, thanks for... Tell me about that. Yeah, I bet that just made your whole entire weekend. My story (sighs) is definitely going to lighten the mood a little bit. Thank goodness. Because they were actually in my story for like the first time in the history of this podcast, police doing good work. Oh, I love that. It's about to get even better. Can I tell you a story about police doing good detective work? Yeah. Let's do Tell me before I jump in. Okay. Okay. Um, One time we were driving. And we were in downtown Buffalo, uh-huh. and this car cut Damon off. Uh-huh. And then Damon, like, kept driving, and yeah. then the car was even with us, and this lady flashed a police badge. And, like, she's just wearing plain clothes, and she's driving her car, and she's obviously off duty. And she took note of Damon's license plate, and then she waited till she was on the clock and then she came to the house and they towed his car. That Little was good Buffalo police work. Police work. Yeah, she uh she got her revenge and she got paid while she was doing it. Like there aren't a million other things for them to be worrying about. We like s- the taxi driver who said he was going to beat the shit out of me. There were two cop cars down on the corner yesterday because a guy broke his phone and was having a fit. <laughs> Like, they were on a megaphone. Shut up. I swear, one was comforting him, and the other was, like, on a megaphone going, Are there any witnesses to what happened here? (laughs) Nuh-uh. That's so stupid. I I swear. Like, two cop cars for that. Well, this one, I think there's three cops 
all from different counties. You stop. I swear. Um, so this takes place in Indiana, January 5th of the year 2000. So just after Y2K happened and the world did not self-implode and every single computer didn't explode and no one got bombed, the world kept turning. Were Thank you a, goodness. Were you a Y2Ker? Were you scared about it? No. Did you guys- so I what, was too young to- like care, like what's gonna happen? Okay, the collapse of society. Great. Then I don't have to finish. Co- like I don't school. have to like no more school. Yeah. Whatever. I'll just steal what I want. Yeah. Um, I was terrified of it, but I do. You're rem- terrified of everything. Everything, but I do remember walking through J.C. Penny as a child, and they had a bunch of Y2K shirts, and there was a white one that I wanted, and it had like Y2K on it, and like that silver like holographic. Like shiny material, and we got it because it was super on sale. Do you know how like so cool. I'm pretty much like a doomsday prepper? Yeah, and I have plans for like everything. Yeah. Uh huh. I was actually looking forward to Y2K, like because I wanted to enact an apocalypse plan. So you were only like seven at the time, though. I uh, actually I was three. <laughs> So this, if I lived in Indiana, I definitely, I definitely would have ended up in an institution. Um, (laughs) This is about the St. Clair Triangle UFO. And my info comes from ufocasebook.com and ufoweeklynews.com. So January 5th, year 2000, it's 4 a.m., in Indiana. So obviously very dark, very cold. Um, it is the middle of winter and you know, it's 4 a.m. So yeah, we go outside and it's just pitch black. No I, one's, no one's really on the road. I had to think about where Indiana was geographically. The middle of America. Yeah. Um, so this man, Melvin Knoll, he owned a mini golf course and he thought something had frozen because of how cold it had gotten. Um, so he braved the cold in the dark, and he drove to his mini golf course to look to see what was going on. Um, and as he approached, he thought he had seen a very bright star on the northeastern horizon. So he just, like, took notice of it and, like, kept doing whatever he needed to do. So he went and he checked his, like, golf course to make sure everything was good. Shit was kosher. As one does when they right. own a mini golf course. Right. So everything was kosher. Everything was good. Um, and after checking everything, he noticed that that light was still there and it was more visible than before. So he was just kind of like observing it, checking it out. Like me, I would have already assumed that it's like someone, like something's, something's gonna happen. I'm totally gonna die. Oh, you would have, <laughs> you would have been five steps past. That. I wouldn't, I would have just been sitting in my car. I never would have even gotten out to check whatever I had to check. You'd have been my like, that's course. a UFO. I think I just saw it. Pick up a cow. It's coming for yep. me. I'm gonna go to Bryland yep. and check. I gotta, in. I gotta go. Um, so as he's watching it, he realized that it started coming towards him. Um, and I was just like reading this and picturing it all in my brain, like a fucking movie where he's just in his car looking like fire in the sky and it's just slowly zooming towards him like so slow. So at this point he said he could see, he could see red lights and that they were shining on the ground from whatever this object was. Um, as I got closer, the object appeared to be as tall as a two story building and as long as a football field. Um, he could see windows on it and that inside the like it was lit up like inside the windows however there were absolutely no sounds coming from it so it was just that just this like two-story looking thing in the sky 
coming towards him, not making a single sound. Which, and he's which is just the most ter- staring at him. And that's the most terrifying part is that there's no sound whatsoever. Yeah, if that's you would- horrible. That's the part that Ugh. freaked me out. As Ugh. soon as you said it was moving yeah. silently. Yeah. Ugh. So Melvin Noel, being the smart motherfucker that he is, he quickly went to the Highland Police Station. Um, yeah. And the Highland Police Station then relayed it to the Leb- Lebanon Police Department because that's the direction that it was heading towards. So at 4.10 a.m., Officer Ed Barton, he was a Lebanon officer. He spotted, spotted the object as well. Um, he described it as there being two lights close to one another. Um, and he tried to like drive closer, like to drive towards it, you know, like how people like chase but it's the, in sun. the sky. Right. So he was trying to like drive towards it to like get a better look at it. Um, and the closer he got, the two lights eventually merged into one. How they have been, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you how. <laughs> Cause that night. Was the night where two became one. Um, (laughs) So, the object moved towards him. He stopped and rolled down the window. um, And he described it as a triangle-shaped UFO passing over him at about, like, 1,000 to 1,500 feet in the air. Bitch, you better stop, because you know about my childhood experience (laughs) with that. Nope, I'm going to keep going. So, that's two people so far, just like an innocent citizen and a police officer. So, the direction of which it was heading, it was heading towards this town called Shiloh. So, it moved west, which was confirmed by a Shiloh police officer named David Martin. Um, He called and reported it um, and just said that he had seen it and that it was moving towards this place called Milstadt. this is a lot of weird town names. Yeah, so this this at 4.28 a.m., the Millstead officer, Craig A. Stevens, was on patrol, um, and he received this call about this object in the sky, so he drove to the north end of town and, um, like, parked his car in some type of parking lot. I know it didn't sound like any chain thing, so I was just like, whatever, parking lot. Um, and he, he saw this object um, flying towards him at about 500 to 1,000 feet off the ground. He said there was no noise, just like a very low decibel buzzing sound. Um, And he was like, okay, well, everyone's been reporting this, so I'm going to do what I got to do. He got out of his car, and it was really cold out, like 18 to 20 degrees. And at the time... God um, bless him. (laughs) There was um, a Polaroid camera in the back of his car, even though it was the year 2000, which seems pretty funny. Like, they should have had something else other than a Polaroid. No, um, that was that was technology. In 2000? There are no childhood there pictures of pictures. me because Point and shoot. they had a Polaroid instant camera mm-hmm. and all those pictures are faded now. We had the one that was like a click to shoot and then the lens would pop open and it was real rectangular. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. He tried to take the picture, but it was too cold out. So this picture online is just like, it's like a black rectangle. And then there's just like these little squiggles in the middle, like three squiggles. And you, it doesn't look like anything. It looks like weird, like amoebas or like germs or something. So, um. I hate this. Yes. So basically, <laughs> to describe it as, uh. They did. It was um, a stationary aircraft um, that they said was shaped like a like an elongated cigar um, or like the two story house. Um, the object did not move fast, but it did not move slow. 
So it moved mediumly. It, it, moved, it was like medium. So it was bigger in length than with a set approximately 75 feet by 45 feet. Um, it had bright lights on each corner and it was like a concaved rear. <laughs> Butts. <laughs> so the last person to verify this sighting uh, was teacher Stephen Wenaka. Okay, so this is a lot of upstanding, this is, respectable yes, people. This is not like Billy Bob Joe Bob in the middle of Corn Husky Kentucky. Chewing on barley and wheat and shit. Corn Husky Kentucky? <laughs> I don't know. It was just a place someone dumb would live. This was not the Melonheads living in the middle of Melonheadville. Right. It was it was it was yeah. actual people. And like I get it, police aren't the most reliable people, as we've discussed numerous times. But, like, they're all saying, like, there's this fucking thing in the sky. What the fuck? And it's, like, like the way that they're predicting it to move is the way that it is moving. And, like, there weren't descriptions. They're just, like, there's something in the sky. Like, do you, when you see mean it? By- predicting it to move you mean like oh it's headed towards that town so we're gonna call that town yeah because it could have it could have changed course you know what i mean like it could have done something but it was continuously moving in the direction that unless these ufos had intercepted signals from the police talking to one another and then they're like oh yeah we're gonna give them we're gonna give them the show they want um you want to see a ufo you about to i'll give you a ufo so this teacher Stephen wanacat was um driving to work um so the sun was just just coming up it was a nice day nice cold day um you know wait so this is okay so this is hours later too yeah so he was driving to work, and the sun was just starting to come up, and he had seen three bright lights and said that it looked like an arrowhead of gray and black color um, in the sky. Okay. So uh, we have, what, three officers, four officers, a teacher, and then the golf course guy. And the first, the golf course guy is probably, you know, the one that you would trust the least. But he was like, I'm not fucking around. Well, I'm also going because right he, he was the first and it was at the weirdest right. time. It was 4 a.m. Right. right. And you know what? He didn't like dick around. He went right to the police station. He was like, I don't care if these people believe me or not. Like, I'm telling them what this is because this is fucked up. Um. So later investigations were done and we would discover that. Um, if you say that somebody said it was a weather balloon, I'm going to call no, the police. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Lieutenant Colonel Alan Donka. Um, I, I'm guessing that's how it's pronounced. D-A-H-N-C-K-E. Let's go with it. I don't know. Um, he had stated that the local Scott Air Base was closed on that particular night with no one in the control tower. So whatever was in the sky that night was not from (gasps) the base. I was not expecting that. Yes. Isn't this like a very satisfying story? It is because it seems like everybody's actually telling the truth. Right. And it wasn't like this crazy like panic thing or people acting like a bunch of wackadoos. Like Which you and I I would, would I would have. be I would be absolutely frantic. I would be crying. I would be straight up panicking. It would not be pretty. Yes, ma'am. I would be po- I would poop my pants. I I certainly would not have the balls to call the police. No, I would be like, oh, we need to run away. Someone's coming after well, us. Especially like 
if you saw a UFO and you called the police in Buffalo or they would like tell West you York, they would lock you up. They would come here, yeah, and they'd throw you in the back of their car yep. and take you to Brylin. Oh my god, that's, that's what we gotta that's do. That's how I'm gonna get to Brylin. <laughs> that's what we gotta do. So yeah, that's the story of this St. Clair Triangle UFO. People are like they still talk about it. They just did um there was originally an article from like 2015 i think on it to mark like the 15 year anniversary thing but everyone it's like this whole it's this whole thing with gene so as i said before she keeps making appearances and she got a cough do it in my twin bed twin bed um but yeah so i think in this one i don't really know i would say goodbye to the cold because it fucked up that polaroid Okay, or we could say goodbye to mini golf because it's dumb. I'm fucking awesome at mini golf, which you shouldn't be shocked by. No, I'm not. <laughs> I because like, yeah, if I had to pick a sport that you would actually be good at, be I'd be golf. like, yeah, mini golf, that probably, seems, <laughs> that seems or like something sedentary <laughs> and non-competitive. <laughs> Speaking of competitive, everyone needs to go subscribe to us on like iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use and you need to share us and you need to rate us and review us and we just reached over 1000 views which is a lot for us downloads downloads not even streams not even views i we're not no one's being anything downloads so i mean we're stunning but we don't have we don't have good video equipment we have good audio equipment so um but yeah so if everyone could do that maybe we'll do something special because we reached 1000 yeah, we can have a centennial episode. Yeah, centennial is a thousand, right? Well, that's when we get to an a thousand episode. Maybe we'll just post a nice video saying thanks to everybody. Or maybe we can have a guest caller. Maybe. We'll figure it out for next week. I'll see if Brianna Valenti is available. <laughs> so bye to Brianna Valenti. Bye to Ken. And bye to the cold. Bye. Bye.